Welcome to Downtown World. Don't waste no time with negativity. The conversations you never get to hear with me, Kay Blair. Weekly where we gain inspiration from our special guests. Thank you for tuning in and sharing, subscribing to us each and every week. This week's episode is sponsored by Shop Downtown, your one-stop shop for everything downtown world. You can visit and support us at www.downtownworld.com. That's www.dwntwnwrld.com. Now, let's get into this week's bowl of fruit. Eat fruit and mind your business. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, guys, and welcome to another week's episode of Downtown World, Don't Waste No Time with Negativity. And I am i know every week I say I'm really excited for who I'm speaking with, but you guys know I've been rambling on and on about crypto and blockchain and NFTs and Jimbo Jack, all these things that you guys are like, okay, okay. But I'm really happy that you guys also know I've been wanting to find someone of color that I could just have a comfortable conversation about kind of trending, what's going on and is as enthusiastic about <laughs> crypto as I possibly am, if even more. So welcome, Eli, Common Sense of Eli, um, to Downtown World. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Elijah Whitehead. I am the founder and creator of MyTech Academy, where we cover all things crypto. Uh, I've been involved with this technology now dating back to late 2012, 2013. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to share this platform and discuss uh, all things crypto. I'm excited. So first things first, we're gonna dive right in. A question that we ask all of our guests, is it, are you more comfortable with Eli or Elijah? Doesn't matter, either one, Eli, okay. Elijah, it's okay. I'm like talking like I know you, Eli. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, is, what is a recent, well, it doesn't have to be recent, but what is the situation, Eli? And I'm hoping you choose the one I'm thinking of, but what is the situation where it was definitely negative and no questions asked about it, but somehow, some way, you found a way to rise above and not waste any time with negativity. Well, you took my in terms of my just experience as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur life in general, specific to the blockchain, whatever, whichever you feel comfortable with. Well, I would definitely say when I lost over eighty Bitcoin when Mt. Gox got hacked multiple times, and then they declared a bankruptcy and took everyone's Bitcoin. Basically, they were running a fraction reserve system where they were basically taking your Bitcoin and then they were speculating with it, trading it, lending it out. They didn't have the proper security and they lost it. And if you valued that Bitcoin today, 80 plus Bitcoin that was lost, I would be, you know, what worth well over $20 million. But at the time of taking that loss, the reason I was able to bounce back is that I was just able to see a future that didn't exist with this technology. And I understood that you know, uh, I'm at the right place at the right time. It just, I didn't have the proper skill set to be able to properly secure my crypto the way I needed to. But uh, there is not a day that passes by that I don't think about the millions of dollars that I lost back in the hack in Mt. Gox. Wow, that is, ooh, I like, because there's a show that I've been kind of obsessed with on Amazon Prime. I'm a huge TV watcher, Um, but it's called Startup and it's based on like, it's, it's, it's a weird kind of show, but it's basically this girl and she was into like mining and things of that sort from like 2011, like those times. And then yeah. trying to start like her own coin, GeoCoin, and then trying to get the seed money, all that stuff together. And then it's just like her parents are consistently kicking her out because she's getting the power shut down. All this stuff. <laughs> it's going to be big one day. It's going to be huge. Like you guys, you know, so being able now to put a, an amount to be like, this is kind of what I'd be looking at or where I'd be sitting had this have gone um, this crazy. And I didn't want to ask you this question so early, but um, I'll go into China, right? And right now, you know, a lot of bands, things are happening over there in terms of like blockchain and them coming for the miners. (laughs) What is your just take on that? Or if you have an opinion on just what's happening, is it great for us on this side of the border? Um, Or I'm I'm in Canada, but just in this... (laughs) Well, well, that, that whole entire conversation is a nuanced conversation. So let's unpack that a little bit. 
Yes. The, 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 the very first thing that you have to understand with Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is a censorship resistant network, meaning that anyone can participate in the network without anyone being able to lock you out. It's permissionless, it's borderless. And the one aspect of Bitcoin, though, right, there's, there's multiple layers to the protocol. So the ledger and access to participate in the network may be decentralized, may be open, may be peer-to-peer and permissionless, but Bitcoin relies on energy. And that's one of the weak points in terms of the Bitcoin model because it relies on being able to have energy in order to solve proof of work, right? To be able to create new blocks. So what's happening in China is China is creating their own version of a cryptocurrency. It's going to be like a stable coin, a digital yuan. And they're basically trying to kick out any other aspect of crypto that they can't control. The digital yuan is going to be like a central bank digital currency. You see the government here talking about it as well. And it's going to be a centralized ledger that they control based upon they'll control the inflation, they'll control access to the particular cryptocurrency. So the good thing about Bitcoin is, though, is that once a nation decides that they're not, uh, you know, friendly, to mining in Bitcoin, well, then you could just pick up your miners and go somewhere else. So what happened was the hash rate crashed. Now, again, like I said, it's a nuanced conversation because one of the criticisms of Bitcoin was that it, the mining was too centralized in China. Well, now that it's being kicked out of China, you can't make that argument anymore. Yeah. Um, and now the fact that like Elon Musk and Kathy Wood, they were speaking yesterday and they were talking about somewhere around like 50 to 60% of Bitcoin mining is created through renewable energy. So this idea that Bitcoin is bad for the environment or that it wastes energy is just factually incorrect, right? So what's happening now is you're starting to see a lot of those miners that were in Asia, they're coming over here to places like Texas, uh, also in Nevada, where they're being more friendly to the idea of uh, crypto mining. But what I do believe, I do believe that a lot of nations, uh, if Bitcoin ever begins to really take off and become a threat, that's going to be one of the... Um, you know, uh, boogeymans that they use to try to deem proof of work as being bad. Now, the idea that somehow something wastes electricity is subjective, right? Because I can say to you that your Christmas lights waste energy, right? I can say to you that you should not wash, you know, your clothes and do laundry, that you should wash your stuff by hand. So um, when we look at what's happening now, I think that this is good for Bitcoin overall. The fact that you can kind of spread out the mining operations rather than having it located mainly in China because they have, you know, coal and they have cheap energy uh, and getting rid of dirty energy that people uh, consider coal to be dirty. So overall, I think it's good. And I also think that it really gives Bitcoin uh, a test. Bitcoin's like an anti-fragile network. Every time that it's hit, it comes back stronger. And that's what you want to be able to see. Uh, so right now we're in a process where the hash rate is recovering. Um, and that's a good thing to see. So I'm going to scale it back for everyone quite a bit, because yeah. as I said, I know I'm one of the few people that I I know and look to be like, okay, kind of at least conversations are being had about the advancement and everything to do with like China. And I'm happy that you spoke on that. Um, so I'm going to scale it back for everyone and ask you, Eli, how did you get started in finance or like just getting curious into crypto or, you know, did a family member introduce it to you? Like, were you just a big nerd yourself? Like, how did that come about? Well, I've always been a nerd per se. Right. But, um, I love repping my nerdness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what happened when I was a freshman in college, I was playing basketball at Long Island University. Okay. Um, and then I quickly realized, like, although I was good in college, really, really, I mean, high school, really good. Once I got to college, I realized that the dream of going to the NBA just wasn't going to happen. There's less than 400 NBA players or somewhere okay. around that. So you have a better chance of hitting the lottery than actually becoming an NBA player. So that's when I got, I started getting serious about education and really just pursuing another way of becoming rich and successful, right? Because I thought that basketball was that ticket. Um, I was introduced to one of those pyramid scheme network marketing opportunities yeah. uh, where you get three, that get three, that get three, that get three. And then that Over just- Over here, really, we have something called uh, Prime America. Yeah, I've heard about Prime America. There, also <laughs> was one in, there was also one in, in uh, you're, you're in Canada, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was one called um, Visalis that was really big back in Canada years ago. Specifically Toronto, but yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, so I got involved in that. And then I, you know, I went down that journey of that rabbit hole of reading all little books. And then I started, I came across a guy by the name of Peter Schiff. 
He was an economist that was really, he predicted the whole crash of 2008. Mm -hmm. And then I dived down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole and eventually led me to investing in gold and silver. And I came across a guy by the name of Da Vinci J, who's actually another black guy uh, in crypto uh, or a person of color, if you want to refer to him as that. And uh, that just kicked off the whole idea of crypto because I was already into precious metals. Like, you know, I have some gold sitting here. I've been investing Mm -hmm. in gold going back to, you know, 2010, 2011. And then the idea of investing in a version of digital gold that could be transportable because one of the biggest problems with this is it's physical. So someone can come and confiscate it from you or you have to trust someone to hold it for you. And then once I came across Da Vinci, he opened up the door of, you know, the whole idea of a distributed ledger, the whole idea of the libertarian philosophy and ideology. And then since then I've been involved in crypto. That's really, that's really amazing. Have you ever felt kind of like, embarrassed at all or anything to let like people around you family members friends maybe colleagues to be like this is what I'm into like this one I think I'm gonna get into full time or have you always just been like this is what I am accepted or not but I know I'm comfortable within like um that's that's one of the biggest things that you will always struggle with is like identity crisis quote-unquote because you know where I come from Um, you're supposed to behave and talk and act a certain way to be considered, you know, uh, black enough or real enough, right? That's just one thing that you always will experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But you get to a certain point, like as you get older, you just don't care about it because at the end of the day, you're so wrapped up in actually pursuing your goals and your dreams that, you know, that type of stuff doesn't matter. You'll always have people who will be naysayers or won't believe in the vision or the dream or your authenticity of what you're trying to do. that's the beautiful thing about the internet is you'll find people that do. Mm-hmm. You'll definitely find your community. I agree with that 1000%. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and once again, you're just, you're full of so much. Um, I just get really great information from you. And I'm, I'm, I have no issues in saying that like, you probably feel weird hearing it, but I am a fan of what you do for the fact of just what you represent and how you deliver everything of that sort. And as I said, it's it's been a search to find people that look like us to be like, okay, they're talking sense, they're talking our kind of language that's on the internet, but kind of not really, it doesn't feel that way with you. Yeah, but well, well not great. to cut you off, but I want to build on that too, because I think that that's one of the biggest problems that we're experiencing right now, where we have this, meme culture of investing right Mm. and have a lot of people who they may have a large platform Mm. and they have a lot of followers and last week they were a credit expert and Mm. then two weeks ago they were a relation relationship expert Mm -hmm. and then they were a stock expert and they start trying to talk about crypto and you may think they're credible because they have a large following and one thing about uh you know a quote-unquote bull market is it makes everyone look like a genius yeah. You have to be really, really careful in, in, with who and what you follow, especially when you're investing your money. Um, and I would definitely tell you that you should not just support someone because they may look like you or you can relate to them. It's really good sometimes to sit back and watch a person for a week or two and just really see how do they purport themselves? How do they communicate with their community? Is it really just a bunch of bots, right? Or, you know, are, is this person just making money out of a function of them, you know, being at the right place at the right time? Or do they really, really know what they're talking about? Because uh, as you just said before, you know, one thing I started noticing with a lot of people is that when crypto was taking off, everyone was a crypto expert. And now that the markets dropped 50, 60%, no one's talking about crypto anymore. Like all of these gurus and credit gurus and all of these people, they just disappeared now. Yeah. And I guarantee you, as soon as we break 60K again we'll right on Bitcoin, back. they'll be right back trying to sell courses and sell their affiliate products and services. That's like 1000% true. And thank you just for, I guess, giving that disclaimer because um, it's just very important. As I said, it, I'm Black, I'm excited to see Black people, but it's very important that we remind ourselves like to trust you can't trust everything you still have to verify the information do your due diligence research for yourself get you know more than one opinion set of eyes on it and really like just don't be like oh because it's Eli and I see him on YouTube and live all the time he wouldn't lie to me he wouldn't you know still verify the information but I still feel that way you wouldn't (laughs) yeah and also too what, what I've noticed about people is that you can tell the difference between someone who's leading with the information and the knowledge and the resources for you to go fact check the fact checker or research the researcher 
versus someone leading with their Lamborghini, their nice chain, their nice home. Like you, you can see the difference between a person who's trying to market something to you versus the person who's trying to educate you. Mm, first, first. Um, here, at, here at downtown, we say eat fruit and mind your business. Mm-hmm. So you just gave a whole lot of fruit just now. Yeah. Eli. <laughs> but I want to scale back as well, because earlier you were mentioning um, gold and silver. And that is something that I'm not fully versed in, but I do, I am aware of hints and bits and pieces of what's happening with that. So when it comes to Bitcoin, I don't want to say versus, but versus gold and silver, I know you spoke on like the physicality and having to store it, et cetera, but which, which you prefer because there are people still in the world that are like, gold is gold. Like, Yeah, that's just because they're uh, unaware. Uh, a lot of people just lack information. So the whole purpose of gold today that it serves is it's simply meant to and designed to preserve your wealth that you already have to preserve your purchasing power. Because we know for a fact, Jerome Powell just came out. They, the Fed released their new inflation data inflation's running at 5.4%. We've had the largest jump in inflation mm-hmm. um, in 30 years this past week that they released the information. Um, so gold is simply a hedge against that debasement of the dollar. The dollar loses about 3% of its purchasing power on an annual basis. And that's if you believe the government data. Uh, there's been some other data points that has proven that the inflation rate's actually higher than the mandated goal of 2% by the Fed. So wealthy people or people that already have wealth, they park their wealth in real estate or you could park your wealth in gold. But at the end of the day, you're not going to get the price appreciation that you're looking for, right? Gold is simply meant to just mirror your purchasing power so that's not debased. But for people like yourself or myself that's trying to build wealth, we don't already have wealth. Gold is not a good investment in the actual precious metal, right? Again, gold is for wealthy people. It's an insurance policy against debasement of the dollar. If you're looking to build wealth, you may want to invest in the uh, gold mining companies like a Newmont Mining or Barrick Gold as the people that's actually looking for gold. Because if you go back to the gold rush, the people that actually made the most money were the people who actually sold the picks and shovels, right? It wasn't the people who actually found the gold. So uh, it's better to always invest in the, the, the companies looking to find the gold or invest in the companies that sell the gold mining companies, the bulldozers that go digging and do that. Uh, if you're looking to build wealth, right? It's a nuanced conversation. So if you have wealth, you park your wealth in hard assets. If you're trying to build wealth, then you should be looking to invest in the paper asset version. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, simply go look at a chart of the S&P and compare it to the price to the uh, ROI of the actual of gold. And you'll see that the S&P 500 has far outpaced uh, the returns you could have got on gold. Now, when we start looking at Bitcoin versus gold, the gold market cap globally is about a 10 to $12 trillion market. Bitcoin, as of right now, today, I can just make sure I'm making my numbers correctly. Bitcoin currently right now is worth $605 billion. So when you're just looking at the market cap, Bitcoin has way more upside as an investment if it's trying to be digital gold. And I believe that eventually Bitcoin is going to probably eat about half of gold's market cap. So you're looking at probably another like 3x on Bitcoin, 4x on Bitcoin. So that puts it somewhere around like, you know, 20, uh, $240,000, $300,000 Bitcoin. Um, so just in terms of risk and reward, Bitcoin gives you a much better upside because in order for the price of gold to double, you need another $10 trillion to come into it, right? Because the market cap, the market cap determines the value of the asset. For Bitcoin to double, you'll need another $600 billion. Right. So just sheer market caps is going to show you that Bitcoin gives you a better ROI in terms of how much money you can make rather than putting your money into gold. Now, when we start thinking about the technologies and the investments in terms of protecting yourself against inflation, inflation or debasement from your government, the problem with gold, as I said earlier, is that it's physical. So it's very hard to transport it. So in the event that, let's say, you had to flee your country or you had to take it or transport it, you're not walking around with a bunch of big gold bars lugging them around, right? So this is where Bitcoin will always have the superior advantage is because it's digital and you can basically walk around with your seed or your private key in your head and you can take, literally, I can have billions of dollars on this device right here and I can go anywhere or I can just have Do you have, have a my- wallet? Sorry to interject, but do you have a wallet preference? Yes. Just this curious is- to know, since we're talking anyway. Yes. 
Uh, this right here is a shameless Nano, plug if you have to. <laughs> yeah, this is a Ledger Nano X. This is known as a hardware wallet where you can take the, this technology was designed to remove middlemen because going back to when we were talking about gold, um, you always had to leave this in a bank somewhere or with a goldsmith. Mm -hmm. What would happen back in the ancient days is that the goldsmith would issue more paper certificates than actual gold they had on hand. So if everyone at one time came to try to redeem that paper certificate for the gold, they didn't have enough gold on hand, mm -hmm. right? The, devices like this allow you to be able to take custody of your asset and be able to manage your own private keys. Because when you leave your crypto sitting on an exchange, like a Coinbase or a Binance, that's counterparty risk. Because at the end of the day, you don't control the private keys there. They do. It's centralization. So at any moment, if they get hacked, or if the government decides to step in and seize that operation, you're basically out of your crypto. Or if they're doing like the goldsmith used to do, where they on the screen, it says you have two Bitcoin, but they don't actually have two Bitcoin to send you. They're running a fraction reserve operation. You have to be mindful of that. So, um, And then also, Bitcoin <laughs> has a, a harder monetary policy than gold because yeah. gold has inflation, right? As long as you keep pulling gold out the ground, you'll keep finding gold. Um, after 2140, there will be no new Bitcoin issued, right? So Bitcoin is extremely a hard version of money. Uh, and every four years on average, the supply of Bitcoin, the new issuance gets cut in half. Mm. Ooh, fruit, fruit, fruit. I like get really excited when it's just so much information and then you have like just a great bunch of everything to just research and learn more and expand our thinking. Um, how important is education or just knowledge of like what's going on to you towards like your people. I know it's not a race thing. Everyone here knows that I love everyone, but is it something that you're mindful of or are you just kind of going day by day and seeing where it brings you along? Um, I think education is extremely important uh, and especially um, first self-education, uh, being aware of your surroundings, who you are and where you are in the world economically, socially, uh, because it's, it's very important that you are making really, really good decisions going forward. Uh, I don't want to be an alarmist here. I'm not here to be a doomsdayer. But things are, we're going through a shift right now. We're going through the fourth industrial revolution where everything is becoming digital. And you're going to start to see automation really start to take a lot of jobs or make certain jobs obsolete. So it's important that you are educating yourself and you're being aware of what's happening, you know, politically, socially, and economically around you so that you can be able to adapt and thrive. Uh, one of the biggest problems with a lot of people in our community is because we're so concentrated in particular areas and we don't really venture out. And I've noticed this when I was in college, like I would go into my math classes or my science classes and I was literally the only black person in that yeah. class. It was really dominated by a bunch of Asians and Indians. Yes. Uh, and, and, and one thing you start to see about people by nature, people are tribal. So the Indians would work with the Indians and their, their previous you know, uh, friends or parents or whoever took that class years ago and they had the notes or whatever the case may be and they kept information amongst them. The Asians did the same thing. So a lot of times you'll find yourself out on an island. Uh, the beautiful thing with technology now, like you said, we can find communities, may, although it may not be physical, we can find each other virtual, virtually and we can build our communities. But it's one thing to talk about the stuff. It's another thing to do it. So when a person's giving you the information, you have to engage the information and actually go through the process. You know, you may, you may see me today and think like, wow, he's well-spoken. Wow, he knows all of this stuff. But I've been doing, I've been an entrepreneur now for 14 years. I've been in this particular industry in this particular niche now for what, eight years now. Mm -hmm. So I've taken the bumps, the bruises. I've read the books. I've read the PDFs. I, you know, I've taken the losses, but I've put the work in. There is no shortcut to success. You're going to have to take the stair-step fashion to get to where you need to go. Now, the beautiful thing about it is that when you have someone like myself, who I've already taken the bumps and bruises, rather than you having to, you know, learn by trial and error, I can get you straight to the information. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that philosophy just for life in general. I always say, like, I don't want to listen or really, like, take information from someone, regardless of what it is, unless they've, like, gone through life, like. That is just how mm -hmm. I prefer to operate. Now, Eli, if I had $250 right now to invest, to get started, 
into crypto, what would you say to me? Like, are my next steps? And like, what could I expect in the next month? Because this generation is now, 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 now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what I would say to you, the very I always recommend this to people when they first get started. And I want to state that I'm not a financial analyst yeah. or advisor in any type of way. Uh, I'm simply sharing this with you for educational purposes only. Please make sure that you're doing your own due diligence in the information I'm sharing with you. But uh, what I would say to you, especially for people who live here on the West, in the West, is that open up a Coinbase account. Although I believe in decentralization, I believe that for many of you, it's a learning curve. And the best place to start is with Coinbase. It's an application that's fairly easy to use. Coinbase are well simple. I just throw that out there because I know some of my Canadians and like friends of mine, I know you know, well, simple yeah. as well. Yeah. So Coinbase is the best place to start. And then you would go and purchase, you know, buy $100 with the Bitcoin, $200 with the Bitcoin. Uh, get used to being able to, you know, send the Bitcoin to another wallet, learn about the technology. Coinbase, they have um, uh, some features where you can learn and they'll give you like $2 to read a blog and do certain things and different cryptocurrencies. Uh, so that would be the first place to start and then educate yourself and then join some type of a community, whether it's a free or paid community where you can get the necessary information. And then after that, you can then start experimenting with you know, swapping Bitcoin for Ethereum or swapping Ethereum for some type of a stable coin as you get started. Now, what should you expect? Absolutely nothing. Um, this asset class is extremely volatile. You can make 50% of your money in a day, like yesterday, telco is up 57%, and you can lose 57% in a day. Uh, with this asset, <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. This asset class is only worth $1.3 trillion. It is a baby. In comparison to the stock market, the global stock market is worth $110 trillion. So we have a lot of room to go to the upside. Uh, this is why you hear terms like HODL, which stands for hold on for dear life. Um, where Bitcoin right now, Ethereum, et cetera, they're going through price discovery and price discovery is brutal. But if you pull up a chart of Apple or um, Amazon, when they first IPO'd, their charts look similar to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, I believe Am Amazon, when it was trading, it hit, it hit $115 and crashed all the way down to about $30 and some change when back during the dot-com bubble era. So understand that right now, this is our dot-com bubble and 90% of these cryptos will probably disappear. This is why I'm a firm believer in building a solid portfolio, um, getting started with some of the top projects, and then you can venture out to some of the, you know, uh, more uh, garbage coins is what I like to call them. Yeah, I'm having people talk to me about B and Pi and all this stuff, and I'm just mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, I'm taking my time, taking my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I always tell people to, number one, if you don't have a background in like cryptography and advanced mathematics, Reading the white paper is really going to be useless for you because it's just going to look like a bunch of gibberish because you're talking about some high level cryptography, high level mathematics. We're talking about PhD level math. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, I mean, you could read it if you want to. Uh, what I like to look for in crypto projects when I'm investing is I like to look at the community and the people that's actually promoting the project. Mm -hmm. So I like to get involved in the Discord groups or the Telegram groups and really see, uh, you know, are people getting involved in this because they just want to basically treat it like a play hot potato with a grenade. They want to buy it for one cent and toss it to someone for two cents and hope it doesn't blow up. Yeah. Or do you really see people developing the technology and building an ecosystem? You know, so for example, that's what made me so bullish on Ethereum is that when you go into their discord groups and you see just the level of in innovation happening there, mm -hmm. you can say that this is not a cult or this is not a group of degenerates who's just looking to, you know, make some quick money and get out. No, these are people that's really trying to shape the future. Uh, and that's what I like to see, people really developing the technology. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I know um, a couple of days ago, you were kind of discussing with Gary Vee and like NFT. And I personally follow him as well. And I noticed a lot of his content um, lately has been talking about NFT and just, you know, the importance of it, which he has been for a while, but more than ever, I feel like recently he's really, really been pushing and letting people know about it but like i said before um which i find a lot of people in the music space i find like they get so caught up in oh i'm gonna create i'm like it doesn't make any sense if you don't have a community if you don't have a following like following it's just an nft like 
you're kind of wasting your time. I don't want to discourage anyone, but that's yeah. personally how I feel. What do you make of that? <laughs> well, Gary Vee's launching his own NFT platform and project. He so is? That's, yeah, that's why I he- I missed uh, it. Okay. It's called V Friends, I believe. So that's why he's big on it. Um, I believe the NFT space is going to be huge uh, because, again, let's back up a little bit and give a little um, education away right now. When you look at Ethereum, the whole- idea around Ethereum is the idea of smart contracts, right? Where you can have these permissionless agreements in a peer-to-peer fashion where you don't have to rely on any third part or third party or middleman, right? So imagine an artist could have his, you know, royalties or her royalties or her distribution uh, all in a smart contract and it lives on a blockchain and it's just executed. So every time that they sell an album or they sell any merchandise, 5% 5% or 10% of it is automatically sent to their wallet where you don't have to worry about your manager or some type of a middleman or middlewoman eating into your pockets or trusting individuals. Because the whole idea of this technology, as I said earlier, is designed to remove middlemen and create trustlessness among two parties where you don't have to reveal your identity, right? And you also don't have to trust another person's going to do the right thing. We've heard so many stories about artists getting robbed or signing bad contracts or getting involved in bad deals. Well, with the idea of smart contracts that's open, I can go and view exactly what's in the smart contract. So imagine in the music industry for a lot of new up and coming artists, if there was just one standard smart contract across the board that everyone is in a, through consensus said that this is the correct way that we want to do business as new artists. So therefore, it wouldn't be like some 360 deal where they give you money up front, but then you owe them five albums or something crazy like that. It could live on a blockchain. It could be transparent and it could be auditable. And then now it just executes itself as you continue to go along your career. So that's going to be really, really huge Uh, now in terms of like you were saying before. But before you get to that point, you need to be branding yourself and building the proper community. See, people can adopt, uh, you know, basically learn quickly if you're just trying to make a quick buck off of them versus if you're really trying to, you know, cultivate a community and build it up. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was, cause I did an NFT presentation for my students in the Academy and I was telling them there's a lady that's an artist. And what she does is she actually sketches and draws Marvel characters. Right. And she basically records herself doing this on YouTube. So you have Loki right now, you have the black widow, all of these Disney plus things. So now you don't have to go out here and have a crazy advertising budget to build the community. You can just go and sketch Marvel characters like she's doing, have put create a YouTube channel, and then YouTube is going to basically promote that video, put that video out there if you purposely learn how to search engine optimize your videos. And now you're getting free traffic because remember, Google is the world's largest search engine. And then right behind that is YouTube. And people love to watch content rather than read it. So now you can create, start creating NFTs off of the physical art that you're creating. So she's built a community of over like 3 million people. And all she does is just sit there and she shows you, you know, line by line of her sketching out and creating, you know, art. And then now she can go out here and put that art on the blockchain and she can issue an NFT, which is a digital version in a physical version. And you know, it's unique because you sat there and you watched her sketch it, but she's building the actual art, building the actual community, right? She's not just waking up today and saying, oh, you know, I'm no one. You don't know who I am, but look at this painting I created and I'm selling it for a million dollars, right? Like it doesn't work that way. But the NFT space is going to be extremely huge. I think it, it, it has the ability to be bigger than, you know, the idea of a payments network. I'm excited. And as well, like even podcast media world, like possibilities are are truly endless like not to be corny but it's true. It so <laughs> um now what we when we think of um because right now of course even though I like to say to my friends you know have fun this summer but this winter it will be nice like just you know get yourself prepared and ready because we live in a first world everything can look pretty but like there's a lot going on that's not really great in the world right now and as you said it's kind of like and you've mentioned many a times we're, what we're witnessing right now or seeing in the world we're getting prepared for like a great reset right so mm-hmm. here in Canada we just we have this thing called like employment insurance EI or at first they had um why is the name missing me now but they had special benefit program which is like 
um, a special rate depending on your income or how many children you have and Mm -hmm. what you would basically, let me get to my point, universal pay, right? Mm -hmm. And when we're looking for now at something I love, I just love everything you have to say about it because when we look at just moving forward and of course people are going to be like, oh, money from the government, they're kind of already in that um, mode now if they haven't been working or couldn't find a job, et cetera, et cetera. And they're on this $2,000 or whatever a month from the government. And now the government is like, hey, so you can get this. You don't have to worry about attaining another job, but these are the stipulations or these are the borders you have uh, to live. What is your make on that? And just like, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's all about you today, Eli. So. Yeah, yeah. So again, there's a, uh, there's a spectrum, right? You have to be nuanced and really unpack that, right? So yeah. here in the States, they're trying to create their, their version of it. It's called universal basic income. Uh, Andrew Yang, when he was running for president, he was the only presidential candidate actually speaking about that because again, Automation and technology is going to displace so many different workers and, and hit so many different industries. So, for example, think about once Tesla finally perfects the self-driving car. What does that do to the taxi industry? What does that do to people who are into anything of like servicing people and driving people around? Uh, then you have to start thinking about the self-driving truck, the self-flying plane, the self-operating train. Right, That's going to be extremely disruptive to so many decent paying jobs and decent paying workers. And one thing that we know based upon the data is it's very hard for people to be in one industry for 10, 20 years and at 45, 50, go back to school and get advanced training, right? It's just, it's very hard to adopt and do that switch. You know, so I know the media wants you to believe that, you know, it's just illegal immigration that's taking jobs or, you know, it's outsourcing that's taking jobs. That may have been true. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, but right now it's really the microchip that's taking your job. So to offset that, what a lot of governments are starting to do is create some some type of a safety net where you could be able to, uh, you know, if you're displaced, you know, if you can't really find employment, that there's some type of a universal basic income that comes to you. So therefore, you know, you're not just out here with nothing. Now that's the nice way that they're spending, right? But then we do know that Anything that comes for free from the government really isn't free. So now you have to start saying to yourself, this idea of a central bank digital currency that they're trying to create with this centralized ledger, where now there's going to be rules and regulations and stipulations in terms of what you, how much money you have to make, what you can do with this money. And, you know, what's starting to happen, you're starting to see ever more is that we as individuals, we're losing, you know, more of our rights. And we're also losing more privacy, right? Because now the government's going to be able to track and monitor and trace every single thing you do. Like, for example, here, uh, they have something called DSS or welfare, and they give you something known as an EBT card. Well, understand that that EBT card, yeah, yeah, when you swipe it, every single thing that that you're buying could be tracked and traced and monitored. Uh, Now, again, you're getting to the point where some people just don't care. Right. Long as it's free, they just say, listen, give me some free stuff. But again, there's nothing free. This is why inflation is so high right now. This is why you can go to the gas pump. And, you know, two months ago, three months ago, gas may have been, you know, uh, $2.95 a gallon. Now it's $3.10. That's inflation. When you go to buy milk, grocery, eggs, rent, housing, everything keeps going up because of inflation. So they may sell it to you as it being something good. But in the end, it's not really going to be something good because, again, everything you're doing is tracked, traced and monitored. Uh, and then the fact of the matter is that inflation's happening and inflation's like a hidden tax because you may get paid money, but that money goes. It doesn't go as far as it used to. It only can buy less. It buys less goods and services. So when I look at the fact that you're giving someone so much control over you and you're hoping Crazy to me like yeah like you're hoping that they're going to do the right thing willy-nilly and i'm like yeah no questions no yeah. no, no hands yeah. Raised. yeah like and, and and what happens is that you know things the the road to hell was was paved with good intentions right mm-hmm. you know you might you might have good intentions when you start out with this stuff. And I don't believe that people who are creating this, all of the people are, you know, bad people, but then you start getting to the point where a person who is, or who may one day come into office or come into government that is bad, 
you're giving them so much control over you, so much sway over, like we're watching it right now with Facebook, with Apple, how we just, we have all of our banking records, our pictures, our photos, uh, it, the, these devices, it tracks how many steps you take. And all of this data is being housed and stored somewhere. No one asks, well, what are they doing with the data? What, why do they need to have this much data on you? Right. And, and people don't care until it, it becomes shocking how they're farming your data, mining your data, and then they're starting to use this stuff against you. Mm. So, yes, these devices are beautiful. They work great. But then you start finding out how these devices are being used to influence you, the idea of an influencer. So uh, I don't believe that we should just accept these things in terms of that. Oh, just give up our rights and just let the government take care of us, because history has shown us time and time again that you know, um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. 1,000, Eli is giving that fruit. Um, yeah. I know you have to go shortly. I, I really don't, I know you're a busy guy. Um, some more fun questions we had. Another staple question here at Downtown World is, before I used to have the four elements, now we have the five elements. Um, we have earth, air, water, sorry, air, Fire, earth, mm -hmm. water. <laughs> I can't believe it's happening to me right now. Let it's me okay. try this one more time. Fire, water, air, earth, and spirit. There okay. we are. Which element do you feel like represents you or resonates with you the most? It can be more than one. And why? I would definitely say fire. You got my fire going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do you say I, fire? Because fi fire has the power to build and a power to destroy, depending on what you use it for and how it's used. And when, when man basically found fire, it opened up the door to create so much more, utilizing the power of fire. Facts. I think that may be my new favorite answer for fire. Like, I know people before have told me, you know, this is the spark of evolution. I'm like, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, I love food, Eli. We have to eat. Des despite them trying to give us all this space food, you know, <laughs> I still love my food. I'm going to get all the real food for me while I still can. <laughs> what did you eat today? Um, or have you ate yet today? Yes, I had a protein shake earlier when I went to the gym because I'm on a new diet. Okay, I'm trying to okay. cut some weight. Uh, you know, You're COVID. You're thank you, great. but thank you, but COVID definitely put some weight on. So got to lose that COVID twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this has been yeah. in the gym, yeah. uh, and then I had an omelet earlier. But my favorite food is pizza, mm. pizza and burgers. Mm. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> There's something happening right now. <laughs> I just had yeah, this conversation today and I was like, honestly, my love for burgers, it's kind yeah. of disturbing. Like, and then <laughs> if you're if you're bored, I'm sure you're never not because your eyes are probably always to a screen. But I was yeah. watching this YouTube series, um, Food Insider. It's an actual yes. show, but they did a compilation and it was mm -hmm. like this whole segment on like the top sandwiches around mm -hmm. the whole world. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to expand this burger life because it's literally taking over my life. Like I will have a burger every day if I could. <laughs> yes, I'm the same way. And it's funny because like I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to like leave reviews on Yelp about different burger places. <laughs> like when I go to burger places, because <laughs> I guess I'm getting older, maybe. I don't know what I it think is. That but... is some old people shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like I'm like, like this that. place sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna tell people not to come here anymore. Um, uh, so now like I have like my favorite place I go to. <laughs> yeah, I go I go to this place called called the Counter here in New York City. It's on it's in Times Square. It's one of my favorite places to go get a burger from. Mm -hmm. Um. I also want to, when I go back to Miami, I want to try this vegan burger place because mm. um, I've never had a vegan burger yet. Um, I've heard about them, uh, but I, I haven't tried them yet. Let me know which one you choose, because if I see a whole bean in there, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm definitely going to try out the, the, the vegan burger and see, uh, you know, does it taste like a burger? Because one thing about like healthy food, they try to like substitute it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't taste anything like the real thing. It's not, but you know, yeah. I'm happy that you shared that you're just transparent about that because so many of us, including myself is going through that. And like, yes, we're sitting at the computer and we're watching the screens and I have to remind myself to turn down the screen brightness. Mm -hmm. Oh snap, I got to eat something. Oh snap, I didn't go to the washroom. So I, mm -hmm. I, I love to just ask entrepreneurs this question to just be like, 
what'd you eat today? Because we care and we know we forget to eat or yeah. it's not always balanced, but just thank you for that honesty and mm-hmm. letting everyone know you have your protein shake, but you'll fuck with the burger too. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And my last question before um, I let you go, Eli, is I love music as well in downtown world. We have a lot of music focused interviews and music is life for me. It's honestly therapy. Um, what is like your favorite type of music to listen to? Um, do you have any favorite trading music and kind of what are you bumping now? Um, that's a good question. I'm a heavy, 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 heavy Drake fan. Um, Drake just makes so many different, you know, genres and versions of music. So, you know, I, I've been listening to Drake since like, you know, best you ever had, like way back then. Like that's back like when I was like literally in college. So, <laughs> you know, um, so definitely Drake all the time. Uh, and that's, and I, I kind of listen to like some more like older music, like back, like, like Dipset, you know what I'm saying? Oh, stuff like set? that. Okay. Yeah, Jeezy, Dipset, stuff like that. Uh, the music today, again, I guess I'm starting to get older. It's just like sometimes I can't understand what the hell they're saying. Like I was listening to uh, Little Baby, Dub Baby, then Gunna, and it's like some of the stuff they. I was like, I don't know what the hell you say right now. Like, and then like, oh, like I was like, I don't know. So, um, I just... no. yeah, I, I stick to like I like the Migos, um, the Straightening song. I like the, I like Drake, but all that other stuff. Sometimes I'll be like, listen, man, I, you know, I can't get with it. So keep yeah. it simple. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And um, trading music. Do you have like, I noticed different traders or people just into, they have certain like music, not necessarily popular, but you mm-hmm. love to listen to when you're like in that mindset or do you like complete silence? I love complete silence because one of the biggest problems, especially with technology, going back to like I was talking about earlier, is mm-hmm. that it's constantly bombarding you. You get overstimulated because you're getting a Twitter notification, you're getting an email, you're getting a phone call, you're getting a notification from your credit card. You got to pay this bill. So I like to, for like four hours out the day, I like to turn off all notifications and just kind of have silence so that I can kind of sit with my thoughts because these devices start to influence you and it, it, it overstimulates you and you start to think that like things are worse or aren't as bad as they should be because of the information that's coming to you. So sometimes it's good to just turn everything off, block everything out and just be silent. So like when I'm working on a project, I'm working on a new course. I, I like to sometimes just sit with my own thoughts and like talk to myself and, and kind of take the other side of the debate or the other side of a conversation so that you don't have confirmation bias. And you can just kind of sometimes sit with a lot of information. Uh, another thing, too, I can say for some people who may be suffering with that, you know, because technology, again, it creates these echo chambers where you may be in a community, but that's the only community that you're in. So you're only getting that one lens and perspective. Uh, sometimes it's good. Like what I do, I follow nothing but people I disagree with on Twitter. Really? Yes. That, so that I can get a different perspective and so- be able to counter the information. What a lot of people like to do, they like to tune people out that they disagree with. Right. So therefore, you don't really know if your, your position is correct. Right. Or certain certain things. Right. Social media creates these feedback loops where you only follow things or people that you agree with. So it overstimulates you or oversensitizes you to certain things. Ooh, I love that. Free game, free game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Eli, if you could let everyone know, you know, if they want to become a detect, become a part of the mind topic the tech academy, sorry, Mm -hmm. or to be able to get more knowledge from you. I know I mentioned I watch on YouTube, but just to let everyone know where they can get in contact with you, where they can join your community, or um, if you're open to it, where they can get in contact with you. And also I'm normalizing, if you could also say how you prefer to be approached. Yes. So um, you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is common sense, Eli. Um, also my YouTube channel is what happened to common sense. My email is info at mytechacademy.io. Uh, I also have mytechacademy.io. That's where we cover all things crypto and all things crypto in terms of how to store it, how to buy it, how to sell it, different portfolio strategies. We go into some DeFi strategies in terms of yield farming, liquidity mining. We currently have a coding boot camp going on as well. 
where we're covering web development and then we're going to keep building on that knowledge base and eventually getting to building our own cryptocurrencies or building a DAP, a decentralized application. Uh, so this is an evergreen product. It isn't just one course. Like if you actually join the academy, we have multiple courses. Uh, we have a free three-day trial. So it's not like you're buying something and you can't test it out to see if you like it. As long as you cancel within the first three days, you will not be charged anything. Um, I think the best place to contact me would be on Instagram because it's just instant communication. And there's a whole bunch of my videos and content already there that you could begin to consume. And it's, it's in a digestible format because uh, sometime on YouTube, uh, you know, I, I go like two hours on a live stream and some people may not have two hours to be able to sit there to consume the content. So a lot of the content you see on Instagram has been tailored in a five minute, seven minute, 15 minute version or format so that you can be able to digest it a little bit easier because this technology at the end of the day, it could be as sometimes be overwhelming to a person who doesn't have a tech background. So I would definitely tell you to start slow and start small and then work your way up. You're not going to master all of this stuff. Uh, there's just way too much. But uh, what I try to do is focus on the important things that you need to know um, as an investor in this technology. No, I love it. I truly appreciate you, King. Um, thank you so much for just getting back in contact. He's he's speaking the truth. I I, sh I shoot my shot. I I went in the DMs, and to my surprise, you know, Eli, he he accepted. And I will be transparent in saying when I had first um when I first like got to see you just discussing other things outside of like normally what you discuss, but um, just even seeing. Um, your perspective and how you shared your opinion on like, you know, kind of everything that's happening now. Yes. I, 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 I gained even a higher, like a way higher level of respect for you because as I've said um, on another show, I have eat fruit with um, my co-host Killa is, and I'm not getting, I don't want to get into it because earlier you spoke on it so perfectly. So I don't need to like dive into it with you, but um. <laughs> two things she said, and you hit it right on the nail as well, which is um, don't let the messenger be your messiah. And number two is just doing the education for yourself. And just because, you know, we, we look the same doesn't mean like, it's just automatically what that is. So thank you for being transparent about that. And just, as I said, being such a king in like the way you're dealing with everything. And yeah. You chose not to waste any time with negativity today. We ate fruit. We minded our business. And I'm excited for your success. So keep prospering, Eli. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Have a great day. And guys, you are able to like, share, subscribe, and make sure you are supporting this king and everything he's doing and get informed. I know today we didn't start at like a level one of the conversation, but as he said, you are able to go back, look at previous content. He doesn't delete it. It's there for you to take notes, educate yourself and get in contact and further yourself. So, about to go downtown. Thank you. Great day. Downtown, hey. Downtown. You about to go.